questions are the hard part, probably, in that wise. But uh, I just got back from Providence from that opening of that um, Harry Who show. Yeah, that Danny Dell show. Dan show is fantastic. You know, it's like all of my heroes in one room, and then I'm in there with them. That was pretty neat. Um, I I want to start with that first. I'm just going to introduce so the listeners know who's okay who we've got here. So. the voice you just heard, that's Gary Panter. I also have Simon Hanselman. Hello. And Michael DeForge. Hi. Brandon Graham. Hey. And Patrick Kyle. Hi. It's a good thing our voices are also different, so listeners will be able to <laughs> differentiate. Between you can these. do it with, a, you know, adjust yeah. the frequencies. Yeah. It's monotonous doom voices. <laughs> yeah. I want, to be, I want to be a robot voice when this all gets recorded. Um, we're all kind of, we have a little differences. Mm-hmm. So we're, just gonna be, we're just all going to be talking over each other. This is going to be a mess. Right. That's fine. That That's the miracle of radio. Um, and you were just mentioning you're up in Providence at the, the Harry Who show, the What Nerve. Yeah. And kind of jumping into this, because like, Brother Diaz having having these guys here, um, that show's really fascinating, because it's like, puts you in there with like, all these other kind of, kind of like a narrative of art. Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to get in there. I mean, that was an ambition in my life, was to get in there. And getting into the into that conversation, it's easy in some ways, and it's really hard in some ways, and it's uh, mercurial and, you know, somebody's opinion anyway. But come in. Entire crew. What is you? It? Oh, for There's later. There's half a dead squirrel in Wait. the backyard that you need to... It'll be like a piranha thing in here. Everyone will die for it. And just put, I don't it, think put it up there. What, what is that? <laughs> What's it Icing on a mixer <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh. You know, I'll just Spatter. lick a mixer. Maybe it'd be fantastic. I'm going to lick it later. Yeah, are you going to forget about this, though? Because that's going to be gross when it starts to rot. <laughs> I'll remember. Okay. <laughs> Kids say the darndest things. <laughs> Um, I was I was interested in um, you mentioned the other the other artists that you're in the show with. Okay. Who are who are some people that you're whose work you're fond of in there? Well, I'm really a fan of everyone in that show. I mean, that's like the, the thing surprising thing about. Did you see the Harry Who movie that came out? Uh-huh. So like it's just I guess just now on DVD or whatever the form is now. Uh, it's really the Harry Who and like five group other groups in Chicago that I kind of knew a lot of the artists, but I didn't really know like where one would put them or where they put themselves you know mm-hmm. it's a little arbitrary anyway but when you make a movie then it gets nailed down mm-hmm. or write a history book or whatever so uh copley was in the show um uh hc westerman peter saul harry who which would be uh and i'm really kind of ignorant to like, name them all uh, right but jim nutt carl worsom gladys nelson uh sue anna sue ella uh, under pressure, I will forget everything. Do you think it, it changes your perception of the work when you put it in context and start to know the actual history? I already have it going on in my brain because mm-hmm. I've been like, I just have my interest, my whole brain is full of my interest, and then I guess there's this stuff I'm not interested in that I'm just ignorant of. Right. Because I remember uh, in one of the interviews that me and Robin did with Michael, you talked about how uh, Gary's work and a lot of the Fort Thunder work and, and things like that, you, you had no idea when it was done and what order. Sure, yeah, I came across it, like, without any context. Yeah, so. and there in the show have tremendous, like, uh, triangular stage with video projection. Of Was it Force Field film. in the show? It's Force yeah. Field. Yeah. And, uh, and so that it's all, the, you know, maybe, like, 
20 costumed characters. They're fantastic. Like knit, right? Knit things and fur, fake fur things, and little and giant. And hmm. It's great. They totally, um, a lot of times, and I guess what I did in a way, is like if you're interested in whatever you're interested is, you, you study it when you're a kid and you have a fresh brain, and you can kind of see it fresh, and you're like, oh, there's the next step. You just go right there. You know, mm -hmm. it's invisible to everyone else until the, unless the brain arrives and goes like, oh, I can put, you know, these really disparate things together, and that you pull the handle and like a slot machine, right. and something comes out. And so that's kind of what I did, distilling like a du buffet and all the stuff I liked, you know, mm -hmm. and the English pop artist and comics and everything, but. And that's what Fort Thunder did, and then and and it's all it's a process, you know. It, it, and your ranking in the thing is really just like your birth date in a way. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, showing up. When did you show up and pull the handle? Right, you know? right. That's if you're playing that game, you know. That's but that, but they did also the advantage of uh, whose shoulders you get to stand on. And yeah, exactly. But getting to get in the, into the conversation at all is a real great thing, you know. Exactly. And and trying to evolve the conversation or and, and like now, I mean, at first Underground Comics, this is not gonna be news to you guys, but like first, like Underground Comics was like twenty people, mm -hmm. and then it was a thousand hippies, and then it was overdid itself and collapsed because you couldn't figure out which was the good and bad stuff, and the, and so on, and the economy collapsed or the. The hippies were persecuted, or I do. I, I messed camps. a lot of science fiction stuff, and there's there's always that number. Like, if you have about twenty different different uh, types of twenty different individuals, you can start a new society. And it's interesting yeah. that you said I that mean, number. Then you them. have the characteristics, but so then you have like a thousand hippies. Then kind of like nothing. Mm -hmm. Raw magazine, Art and Francoise are looking around America trying to find someone to do that was doing this kind of stuff, and right, they found right. like maybe eight people. Yeah, or something. like what's going on in Argentina. Yeah, and so, but now there's 10,000 drawers, mm -hmm. or 30,000 drawers, and I think probably it's a consequence of computers in a way. Right, but I think it becomes amazing when you're, like for me recently, I, the concept that I, there's no way I can know about all the amazing work being produced. It, you'd think that that would be depressing, but I find it amazing. It's sort of like, exciting. It's yeah. energizing that you can't exhaust this thing for a little while, or, or you yeah. have a hard time doing it. I, I miss the pre-internet kind of world. I know everything's this is too much now. In some ways, you could kind of just find a way to turn your attention from it. You know, I mean, it's hard to put it down. It's really hard to put it down, and I don't like it. I, I hate it. Stuff, but I spend a lot of time. I think it's just like a really a matter of how you use it. Mm. Like it can be a tool, or well, it really does speed up certain things. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking about well, YouTube. You know, I want to make these. I want to make candles. You know, yeah. so you go on can you go on there and so like right. mold making. You know, and then will I make it or will I find someone that makes molds? I don't know. Then you find someone that makes molds or right, and then so two hours lost to twerking videos and. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. You lose your way and Doesn't you never come out again. <laughs> Living a different life. Yeah. The internet got me out of Tasmania as well. I, you know, been stuck there still, not the internet. Yeah, it, it, it would have made a local scene and that would have been great. Yeah, but artistically it, it adds some democracy to it where if you can get a hold of a computer and a scanner, then you can become part of the conversation. Yeah. 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 No one has to break you anymore, I guess. You yeah. break yourself, maybe. I mean, there's still the idea of who's going to hand you a check. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah. <laughs>
It's similar. I mean, it's like a mini comic movement. There was no computers for that. Right. And that was 10,000 people probably. In, right. In I guess that there's an accessibility with that, too. You get to a Kinko's. Right. Yeah. So that's what computers change. Right. It's an immediate hookup, I guess, or the illusion of immediate hookup. Computers. <laughs> I was thinking earlier while Gary was talking about kind of being in the conversation and just like think about how, especially you, Michael and Patrick, about um, the type of work that Gary was talking about because that kind of resonates with the work that you're making. Uh, well, I, I, I sort of I started out influenced by some of those artists like the Harry Who artists, but I feel like my work then was a lot more expressive and then as I got I feel like I'm a very conservative artist now mm -hmm. but I feel like maybe Patrick could speak more to it than I could maybe um, my work's yeah very rigid it's I'm sort of tightening up right now um, yeah I feel like kind of just exhausted with like the busy kind of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the things that Brian and I have talked a lot about um, with artists and stuff is the idea of like you gotta like fully embrace your influences and take it in your work and kind of then kind of expunge it from your work like work through it like or okay I always I often describe it as the idea of some, some artists will have an influence and they'll try to wear its skin and be like a bad imitation of it but but to really <clears throat> engage with the work you either have to do something that you're is a response to it or kind of eat the work into your own work and pass it through you and then get rid of it. And right, and often it's more interesting if you pass through it and, and get onto something, you know, or you, if you eat enough stuff, wear right. enough skins, sure. you grow some new kind of hybrid skin. But uh, a lot of people, I mean, are happy to like find a way and tell stories through it forever. You know? mm -hmm. and, and it'll be like the same always. I can't think of something that would just, I get so bored but I can't imagine drawing in the same style for more than a year or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it seems natural to me to try to evolve just because, you know, I say this stupid, stupid shit over and over, but just because life is short, you know? So you want to, like, draw a square every day for the rest of your life or, like, try some other stuff out or right. see if you can... I mean, since I came out of modern art and my notion of what it was, which was kind of like an experimental laboratory some way, and... and so then you're like trying, you know, trying all kinds of things out and see what speaks and what doesn't speak or whatever. No problem. Do you feel like you have to approach art differently now than you did in in your earlier years? Me? Maybe? I was really one I mean, was really wanted attention, mm -hmm. you know. And early on I also wanted to do something really futuristic. So right. this stuff from like seventy one, seventy three is really like jaggedy and, and nonsensical and sci fi kind of stuff. Though I could still draw different kinds of ways then, but that was the thing I was trying to like, you know, uh, figure out. Right. And, uh, but yeah, now my stuff looks like it's you know from the 1700s or something, you know, or 1800s or something. I've got a bunch of it lying around. I'm work. I'm working on this. Uh, inter uh, John Milton's Paradise Regained. I'm doing a version of that. I didn't want to do Dante's Paradise, oh, nice. and so I like switched to Milton and. Uh, and, you know, it's drawn with yield nibs and mm -hmm. yield everything, you know. Uh, and the yield paper is getting shittier. Uh -huh. and, uh, and that was work that you brought into the Jimbo stuff too, right? 
Yeah, and in. that's what I'm trying to do. I thought I was doing one book, but it looks like it's two books. I was trying to do an 80-page Jimbo book, and it's what's come out on mini comics, and it's been in those you know years best comics. And yeah. Stuff. And so that stuff is all leaking out, and I thought that this Milton thing would be the end, 32 pages. But it just seems like really another like you know purgatory and, and right. inferno. It goes there better than in the, that book. So I'll just you know finish it and then keep working on the Jimbo book, which the Jimbo book doesn't have a big Jimbo adventure yet. Mm -hmm. It really kind of is about places and these other friends and just kind of being there. But I feel like I probably have to. I don't have to. I can do whatever whatever I want to do. But I think before I fall over dead it would be good to do like some like sci-fi action thing with Jimbo doing the things you'd like him to kind of do you know because mm -hmm. I don't really well on these custom drawing things people order like sexy girl robots <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a lot of them are sexy so that's what people think you know, like, I love, okay, I love yeah. the nerve of somebody contacting somebody with a reputation as you and just being like, "Sexy, can you draw me one of those Battlestar Galactica robots with breasts?" Yes, and no, it's because <laughs> I, I set the project no, I up my like that. I'm just asking. <laughs> but in this project, I set it up for people to tell me what to draw. Oh, nice! And so I'm trying to guess what they have in their minds, and I and I set it up that like. I'm only going to free associate on it. That's mm -hmm. all I promise because I don't want it to turn into commercial art job. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, I'll take a. St I'll you know, think about your words, but I really do try to guess what's in their brains. Right. And, uh, well, you mentioned earlier about you said paper getting shittier. Yeah. Is it is that is that difficult when you get comfortable with one material and then the the production of it changes? All kinds of things go obsolete. Yeah, Was I used to draw with these fountain old pens. Comics to redraw on the back. Yeah, you buys old Archie pages. Right. Really? I wouldn't do that because I'm really yeah, yeah. thinking of them as a precious art object. You know, mm -hmm. though I've done you know art objects that are front and back, but uh, and it sounds kind of cool now that you mention it. But uh, <laughs> it's such a it's such a um, thumbing your nose at Archie too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just I'm really trying to like. I guess I'm more conservative too, just in that I really have developed a certain kind of chops and I like trying to do that and trying to do it a little better and trying to letter a little better and trying to you know, make the story flow better. Because I did all these experimental comics so all this stuff is trying to be coherent. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's going to be the new thing in this book would be <laughs> like, you know, to have payoffs for things. Coherency. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it sounds almost like it's a like it's a Jimbo being like this is the Jimbo that people thought they were going to get initially. Yeah, if you read the first 20 pages of that of Pantheon book, mm -hmm. it would be like another you know thing like that in a way. You know, like because I was talking to Edwin Pouncey one time, you know, Savage Pencil, mm -hmm. and he was talking about trying to get better, you know, and I kind of never thought about that. You know, right. like whoa, you could try to do it better. <laughs> some idea of what better, you know, you have to oh. get your idea of what better that is. It seems so freeing to not think about trying to do it better. No, you just, it's more just like living through it, right. you know, with your antennas out and following the antennas, which, you know, can lead to real random places. Right. Um, yeah, I always have this idea that, like, if I'm on some particular kick, like trying to figure out a certain style of lettering or a certain way of drawing something, it's the best one... I feel like I really have figured it out, and then I don't have to do it again because it's like it's just part of my 
this part of my repertoire and now I can move on to the next thing. Hmm. That's I can't kind imagine of, stopping. That I, I kind of know what you mean. And um, when, when we did P-Dog, mm -hmm. do you ever see you saw P-Dog? I saw P-Dog. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, I don't know, 80 pages or something all together with Jay Cotton doing most of it. And, uh, and it was really, you know, fun, dirty jokes. And we laughed really hard. And that was the measure of it was mm -hmm. like, does it make us laugh our heads off or no? But then it didn't, people send me dirty stuff all the time, and it really purged me of it. You know, it's kind of like Ivan Brunetti, you know? Sure, yeah. And, uh, but who's also a master of choosing a style for the project, in a way. Lettering style, especially. He's mm -hmm. a fucking lettering monster, I think. Especially that one page that's just, like, what, a centimeter on the page of him yelling at, like, oh, the, of, the of his head, yeah. and yeah. the rest is just dialogue, and his, like, yeah, diatribe. Yeah, no, him and Crumb and their lettering. Lettering machines. Hmm. Has it been difficult for you? Is it like, is it ever a struggle to, to keep your work, non-commercial? Because so much of the stuff you're known for is, is pretty commercial. I like do all this commercial stuff, I and mean, I don't really like that. Was like, well, early on, I wanted to do commercial stuff because I wanted to be famous, and right. I wanted people to see my stuff. You know, it was just some silly ambition. And but also, I just had to make money. I still have to make money. I was born really fairly impoverished mm -hmm. and, and so you really like unless you're really smart at money or math or something right. it's a long you know all you guys making money from drawing this like lunacy you know it's like it's really hard and, and crazy and it still is um, so I'm I forgot the question I, 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 <laughs> I, I think you answered it but um, do you think that so, if fame oh. is an interest is, is an interest early on when you actually get attention from your art, does it is it a payoff or is it annoying? Well, it's, it it both happens. It's a payoff, sure. Like being working in your room for everything and like, oh, I think I have something to offer, and mm -hmm. never making connection with anyone. That's you know hard. Yeah. And so I was really lucky to be uh, being born older. <laughs> you know, and arriving when there weren't a bunch of people on the scene trying to do this kind of stuff, and also react, you know. I've always gravitated towards the crummy in some ways, mm -hmm. you know, but the moment I entered was when every hippie was trying to, like, out airbrush the other, you know, right. it was, like, slicker <laughs> and tighter, and so it was just like, whoa, everyone forgot that this stuff was around, you know, like, 15 years before in the 50s and 40s, you know, it was right, right there, and, and, uh, and, you know, so... <laughs> I'm really curious about the work you're doing right now. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to make it to the show, but I looked at images on the on yeah. the internet. Yeah, they look fine in pictures. Yeah, and they look very different um, than than what I think of when I think your work. Yeah, um, and it seems like it's quite a like shift in. Probably really looks that way. It feels kind of the same, but what happened over the last few years was I just stopped drawing the black lines. Hmm. So pretty much what you're seeing now is like what was under the black lines. Hmm. And after drawing black lines on things for 30 years, first I was drawing the lines first and then putting the color next to it and playing around with the edges and the transparency or opacity. And then, you know, I put the, figured out how to put the black lines on top to simulate off-register or registration. And so after, and what happens when you put black against color is it lights the color up mm -hmm. by contrast. If you take the black lines away, then it's more feminine or soft or 
there's edges that vibrate next to each other. And so it's something else to explore. But yeah, I guess like my uh, painting thing, I don't know. It's like, um, you know, I might never catch on in the painting world. You know, who, who knows? I get press and, and people show me and I sell a few things. But you really have to kind of like be, again, have the relevant thing to the conversation. And kind of what I think I'm offering with conversation is that there's so much gigantic, overblown, teamwork, hyper-researched, um, electronic, projected, filmic work being done. It's still challenged to paint with acrylic on a rectangle mm -hmm. and try to find something to find in the hieroglyph of human human mm -hmm. shapes and uh, what you can get out of the paint and color combin uh, there's a lot there still to work with I always wonder if fine art is moved on to another conversation than than I, like I when I when I first moved to New York I, I worked at a gallery and I was very confident that I was an artist in my entire life and I showed up and I had no idea what I was talking about I went in for a, a job interview and the woman handed me a photograph of a two by four leaned against the wall and said, "This is a piece I'm really interested in." Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell if she was joking. Yeah. <laughs> and when I first saw Art Form, I thought it was the most amazing humor magazine ever. Right. <laughs> wow, this is subtle, you know. And I think that that's really still a part of it in a mm -hmm. way. And there's also just this faith in art, and then there's the, mainly the mercantilism of art, you right. know. And so that's the stuff you see, but the human edge of art is the caveman in the cave, Harry's mm -hmm. room, her room, her boat, doing some personal thing that's an evolutionary, that has an evolutionary prospect. Right. You know, and, uh, and so, you know, the giant hyper-inflated art world does that too. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, the process is going on, I mean, this is like, or something. <laughs> but it just seems like, you know, that the process is happening and we live through it and figure out what we want to do, you know. Right. And uh, I, luckily, my brain is just built, so I'm still interested, you know. Yeah. I wake up, and my father's this way, I mean, he's, he just turned 87, and he's still interested in it. You know? nice. and, and we can still get excited about silly um, Project. So the other project I'm working on is this hippie project. I started making necklaces, you know, last year. I've heard about this. And so I started trying to figure out. Like, I went, we went on. The band went on tour, and uh, I'm not giving to you these to you, and I'm showing them to you. <laughs> this is a, a list that's going to be rattling in the, the recorder. <laughs> but uh, we went on tour last year, and I thought when we got to Berkeley or. <laughs> Portland or San Francisco, I would buy some hippie beads like I had in high school, and I didn't see any. I saw like macrame and bones and coral and all kinds of giant beads and stuff, but Lots I didn't see any little seed bead. Are these are the band names on these bands that you like? Alice Cooper and Pink Floyd. Yeah. Is elevators thirteenth so, floor elevators? What? Is elevators the thirteenth floor elevators? Yeah. No. So I have to shorten it because if there's too many letters, it's sure. just heavy and ugly. You kind of just give them the presents to people, don't you? I know a bunch of people. Yeah, I've given like five hundred of them away, you know, mm -hmm. and I've like made and I'm trying to I'm actually trying to make them and save them because sure. I'm it's part of an art project. Like since like I guess my whole life was kind of like trying to like join up with the hippies or something, you know. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Those guys so, don't let anybody in. 
<laughs> Those guys don't let anybody in. Right. It's like right. trying to get into like Studio 54. You didn't want to go anymore, you know. Uh -huh. or, uh, but just it was an excitement initially that I've kind of re-explored over and over, like the initial excitement, like mm -hmm. when the Beatles went from being cute to being exotic to zap at a beef heart, you know. Have you thought about going to India? Well, I'm really a low-risk, low-travel sort of a person. I really like being in here. But yeah, I mean, what I'm doing now, those shirts, those are, I'm ordering blocks from India and printing my own, you know, I'm misusing Indian textile blocks to try to figure out, to try to redesign hippies, because the rainbow t-shirt thing just got so fucking ugly. So, I mean, how are you, how are you producing the shirts? What? How are you producing the shirts? What's the what's the process like on those? Well, those blocks on the shelf, mm -hmm. I'm ordering them from India, and then I put and then I'm watching the videos of what they do in India, mm -hmm. and they make these cushy things of fabric and pour ink into mm -hmm. it, textile ink. I'm using acrylic right now because I'm trying to make art objects, and then they get it a certain amount of viscosity. So you like put the thing on and you go to the, and there's enough ink, and then you hit the block, bam, mm -hmm. on like a cushy kind of thing. And then the whole block prints, hmm. and so that's kind of the project I'm working on. Like I'm, those cypress knees that are up there, those wooden dildo-looking things. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, they're part of the hippie project too. Which is I'm going to make molds of them and make candles, like layered candles. And because I'm so anyway, I'm sorry. I shouldn't even talk about this because you know until you do something, it's just you know. But you're, you're doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. It's, so it's, it's right in front of us. Right. I'm doing a sketchbook that's devote that's all notes about the project, mm -hmm. and that's just notes about the project, and that will get published, and uh, well, along with some other notes about it, including pictures of prototypes and stuff. I hope. And you know, I did that little light show in Williamsburg years mm -hmm. ago, like '96 mm -hmm. to 2000. I did this like little light show project, and that was trying to be like a magic that reinvoked the '60s somehow, or did a little butterfly wing thing, you know, right. and uh, and it attracted Josh White, so it worked. Mm -hmm. I did all these little light, tiny light shows, and I attracted my hero, which I had no idea could ever do that. Right. And then we rebuilt his giant light show and did giant light shows and little light shows, and we're still doing it. Hmm. So, and that consisted of putting up flyers at the record shop, doing my tiny light show in my studio, and getting a bunch of collection, like of 90-something, like cassette tapes, and like a bunch of little beat boxes, mm -hmm. and that was it. Um, and so this is trying to contemplate the first time I went into a head shop in 67 or 68 in California on a family vacation. Right. And it was just like, you know, I'm from Texas, you know, you get to California and you start hearing, you know, the San Francisco radio station playing uh -huh. psychedelic stuff you never heard before. And uh, it was just really exciting and it had that anticipation that something could happen mm -hmm. and that, that and the color might get brighter, you know, or something could happen. And so I'm just contemplating that going into that head shop. And but there's a lot of stuff that remains from head shops. There's a million bongs in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a million like pictures of of marijuana leaves. There's a million rainbow tie dye T-shirt. They have the vaporizers now too. The vaporizers, all that's there, and that's going to be more and more and more. That's just going to, you know, it'll get legal and but then will be. Does that stuff tie into your your personal nostalgia at all? What? Does that stuff tie into your own personal nostalgia, or does that just feel like a weird shadow product of 
Well, that's there. the stuff I'm leaving out from. Okay, yeah. Because you can get that. But I might get, like, make some functionless bongs. Because <laughs> bongs have nice shapes, and the glass blowing right. is nice. Mm -hmm. But the drug stuff, you know, great. I'm all for it. Great. Legalize mm -hmm. marijuana and everything else and make there be, like, a million more, you know, like, uh, instant availability of getting off drugs. Right. Help, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a funny spot because I love... I love pot culture, but I don't have any interest in getting stoned because it just puts me to sleep. And so I <laughs> yeah. watch Cheech and Chong movies and love it, and then people look at my work and they're like, man, this guy's well, got to be a huge stoner. So it's the better part, and that's the thing I'm looking for, is what's the better part of right. that stuff? And the better part for me was underground comics and underground newspapers, which were kind of funny and had interesting wild print jobs, and psychedelic posters, mm -hmm. and some hippie crafts, and... Uh, and a lot of it I don't like, so I'm listing like the stuff I like and don't like, and I'm just trying to evolve it. So it's like this is like a future hippie head shop, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to figure right. out what it is. That'd be that'd be fun to see a, a list of what of your likes and dislikes from the '60s. Well, it's on the first page in there, I think. You know, like do's and don'ts or do something. Wanna, right at the can page. you read some out? What? Should you read some out? Would you like to? Uh, Oh, oh, not that page. Uh, it's the next page. Sorry, I'm. I have not You said you said you said before. Um, about, about your light show project succeeding yeah. because you attracted an artist you liked. I was wondering if you do, you, do you tend to think in those terms where, where art you do either succeeds or fails? Where it succeeds or fails? No, I mean, really it's only staying interested in it. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. success. It's just like wanting to do it, you know, and, and that's your reward, is getting to do it. And, uh, but all of my fantasies about it, yeah, my fantasies are like... So I think on the left is stuff I don't like so much, and then on the right is more like, I think it says. I like that the list is not so into it. Yeah, <laughs> not so into <laughs> it. Read it out, Brandon. We've got some of these. Well, the not so much, which, which should we start with? Because the, the, the good list, which I can't read the title of, I, I, it, it might just be a... Uh, it's just like yes or no. I yeah, just yeah. didn't like the way I wrote yes, I guess. Oh, yeah, it is yes. So you admit that you're still excited by blacklight posters. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. So it's like. it's a uh, it's gnarly, dirty, hippie beads. Um, Is it elephant bells? Not so into elephant bells. No, I don't like elephant bell pants. Happy faces mm. are I don't good. Like Jodhpurs either. Uh, <laughs> cigarettes, wine. Um, Is it ugly details? Is that right? Burnouts. I like yeah, the burnouts. Like Is on the burnouts. So. That, that's the into it section. Burnouts. Yeah. yeah nice. Bongs. Um, Ugly Naked Dancing. I love ugly, ugly Naked Naked Dancing would be a great name for a book, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I like that sometimes. Beetle Wigs, um, Hippie Father Guru, and uh, Astral Projection. <laughs> yeah. I like those really those tie that. in together a little bit. And so on the other side, just more yeah, like the Nazo into a list, which uh, I, I like that hippie hats, earth shoes. <laughs> oh, I don't like that stuff. Yeah. yeah long collars, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Elephant Bulls. Elephant bells. Oh, yeah, pants. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Too much fiber. Yeah. Uh, hard drugs. We're all bad acid. I like, I like that you put bad. You know what I'm not into? I'm not into bad acid. No. Cartoon hippie cliches. Uh, how, how does it relate when you... Because I've always... Because Crumb has a weird relationship with that, that era where he... It seemed like he always felt like an outsider and a little bit snide about it, but he was also embraced by it and could get so much of things he liked out of it. Yeah, I'm wondering if um, if if you have a very different take when you when you 
have interacted with him about something that you seem much more sincerely enamored with. About the 60s? Mm-hmm. Well, he has a, he, you know, I mean, really acid formed him. I mean, that was the thing that cooked him in the oven and made his style congeal into what it was, which was a complete restatement of the, tw- the 20th century right. cartooning. And, uh, but no, he, I think he's romantic too. He's cynical. It's kind of like, I think Frank Zappa is probably more cynical in some ways. Oh, you know, they're similar, mm-hmm. like, and you know, a lot of people like. I was reading an interview with a guy that was a guitarist, named Quicksilver. You know, he was in Vietnam first, mm-hmm. and he smoked a lot of weed and made this incredible music. But he just thought the hippie scene was a total bunch of privileged kids being, you know, victimized. Mm. So it looked ugly to him. Right. But for me, I was looking at art styles, you know, and and possibilities, and. Uh, so that's really different. I didn't go to the Haight-Ashbury, you know, you know, and turn into a junkie. But you right. lived in the Bay Area for a while. No, I never lived there. Oh, okay. I visited, you know, I visited the residents and stuff, friends up there, but uh, I lived in L.A. for 10 years. Yeah, okay. Did you do research, Robin? <laughs> well, I could be remembering wrong. <laughs> when you talked about the light show succeeding because it attracted an artist you like, do you think about work, like, attracting the right type of people or the wrong type of people. I remember doing gig posters in high school and uh, it would sort of be, there would be a lot of things for noise shows about how illegible you can make the posters and like it was about <laughs> keeping like lame people out of it and if, if someone wow. could read it that wasn't supposed to read it, it sort of failed as a poster. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you'll still attract some psychos, sure. you know, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that codification was really interesting in hippie posters, you know. But um, I think this whole comics thing, it, well, Crumb, thank God I never got as popular as Crumb, you know, because it uh, it's kind of exhausting. It's great in that's that... That's why he needs people to carry around on piggybacks, I think. <laughs> well, you know, he'll let, I mean, that's what he gets out of it. Yeah. yeah. His ability, you mean his ability to jump on women and do Yeah, that. I just assumed it was transportation. <laughs> well, maybe I don't Purely know how he practical. sees it. I think he <laughs> sees it as getting away with something. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, he got death threats. So he was going to come to Australia. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, a lot of death threats, and he didn't come. Hmm. Yeah, it's the conservative family groups and stuff. Uh, sure. So yeah, you could be getting death threats, Gary. Luckily, well, you know, I used to get bomb threats. <laughs> right. Well, you seem to you seem to hit a nice artist-artist kind of niche. I used to still attract some psychos, you know, and you know, God help them. And uh, and there's some, and I really don't want to go to comic conventions so much because there's like a few people that are always like really think they're my best friend, you know, mm. and I don't really want to have anything to do with them. You need some muscle. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just want to be nice to everybody. But there's people, a lot of like needy people in the world, right, and nice right. people in the world, and great people in the world. And when you become any kind of like microscopic public figure, you're going to attract. Uh, you know, some disturbed people. Right, certainly. And, uh, yeah. and just some really glom artists, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name any names. And <laughs> you will know some of the names. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's what they want. Well, I think, like, Michael, you've had a bit of experience with that with your Tumblr asks. You were uh, mentioning that the other day. Yeah. Panel. Yeah. I, um, I seen, there's, like, a few things in my work that just attracted a certain type of people. And I was, it was, like, always... Um, I think that it kept happening, a lot of stuff was happening, but a thing that kept happening that I thought was interesting because some of my work had some pornographic elements to it or was straight up porn, and then I also did a lot of horror work, 
and it would make people send me a lot of material that they thought I'd be into. Exactly. It would That's be like, I mean. I'm not just indiscriminately into like watching people die or something. And yes. it's flattering because it's like, well, someone thought of me, I guess, and thought, well, he would like this. But it was also like, how do I send a signal that I'm not like just open to? There are people that are like totally into their thing, you know. I'm totally into ugly faces. I'm totally into ugly monsters. <laughs> I'm totally into horror, whatever it is. And if they see it, yeah, then they start sending it to you. So I don't want people to go away and never talk to me again. But um, there's just a price you pay for entering it, you know, entering into the, you know, getting it all popular or whatever you want to call it. Right. But again, Crumb must be crushed by it. And sure. it's, and being around people like Matt Groening and, and Paul Rubens and stuff, I don't know how they want to talk to anyone ever, you know. Mm -hmm. And my friend Rick Heitzman that I worked on Pee Wee with, he directed a thing for Eddie Murphy, that uh, stop motion animation show that was on TV like 15 years ago or something. I don't know if I saw that. It was like a black family. It was a great show. It was Eddie Murphy. Okay, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, the PJs. And, yeah, yeah. PJs. Oh, yeah. And Rick was yeah, and Rick was like the director, one of the directors, but he wasn't allowed to look or speak to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, oh, that's insane. Oh, wow. And if he made the mistake. You know, all hell broke loose. Don't communicate with this other human being that you're yeah, working for. Just exhausted from people jumping in your face and going like, "Hey, man!" Because it's like you know, you right. know, I always feel like I know Brian Wilson, you know, but I don't really know him. Right, right. It's scary if I walked up and started talking to him. Yeah, you'd think real fame would be such a test of sanity and mm. and. Uh, oh God, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've got it good. I'm just you know, I'm obscure pretty much, which is good. Uh, Sorry about beeping my phone. I was trying to find these text messages. I put my phone number on Twitter the other day. Like, I thought it would save me time. Like, here's my American phone number. And my publicist was like, no, 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 no. And I instantly got, like, ten weird fan messages. Yeah. So I was trying to find them. But that was all wow. sexual stuff about the three of us. Like, hmm. I want to okay. fuck you guys in the tour. Like, wow. threesome requests. Like, different costumes for all of us. Like, so you, you, got my, you got my messages is what you're saying. Yes, I got your messages. <laughs> I put my number anonymously in a zine that was distributed around Toronto just to see what would happen. And that was when I was working dishwashing shifts, and mm -hmm. I'd get dirty phone calls on the dishwashing shows with my oh, shoulder sort of leaning into the phone. <laughs> like, what are you wearing? <laughs> An apron. <laughs> Clink. Yeah. I need to stop being so trusting of my fans. Uh, <laughs> no, it's good. I, I'm always thinking about how you and, and I have a very positive experience with this, but in a lot of ways you invite the type of, type of fans that, like you're talking about the, with the show posters. Sure. Like I feel like with my work I've, I've managed to create this complete scam where uh, the vast majority of people that show up when I do a signing or something are people that I can hang out with and get along with and, and we've yeah. read the same things and I always think of my ideal audience like when I write I think of an audience but it's an audience that like it's someone reading it who has the exact same interests as me or okay. something when I used to do porn comics <laughs> I would have to think of the ideal environment to, to get it and sometimes a lot if I was like this work I'm doing is disappointing and crappy to me I'd be like well it's okay because this book is only to be meant meant to be read as a thing that you have in like a gas station bathroom, and you just find it and read it there and get yeah. a good joke out of it and leave. Yeah. And that took it, a lot of the pressure off of it. And things and things in a locale, so that's what the internet kind of defeated. But mm. I guess there are like a million little pockets, and that's kind of like that. But right. on the streets, kind of better, under a log. Yeah, under a log. The Gary Panther under the log show. Yeah, I imagine you've talked the the Pee Wee stuff to death, but uh, it's it certainly stands out, and, and certainly for probably me and Robin, since that was our 
our, our childhood era. We made a good show. But yeah, it was it was um, it was just remarkably subversive and still you know it was like the it was like the prisoner of children's television. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was really, you know, we just packed it full of art history and kitsch and um, you know, stuff we liked. Where, and that was made out of California, I assume? Started in New York the first season, and then it went to California for like however many more seasons. So, I went. mean, the hiring process of that, the, the people putting it together must have been really interesting, just in the, the types of artists they were interested in pulling in, and Cindy Lauper doing the theme song. And yeah, and a lot of that stuff was just who Paul was meeting at parties because mm-hmm. he really liked being a celebrity and hanging out with stars and stuff, you know. So the music started out being done by Jay Cotton for the stage show. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which was a much more dirty adult version of the of the final thing. Yeah, it wasn't so much, but it was aimed at adults, yeah. but it was pretty tame. I mean, everything, I mean, Ren and Stimpy's a lot crazier oh, than, yeah, than yeah. Kiwi. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, I just, it was a showbiz burnout for me. Uh, Did you get much freedom on it, though? Was it? Yeah, you had a lot of freedom. It was just high pressure. Mm-hmm. It was just you know twenty hours a day until you just couldn't talk anymore, and uh, and it and it was every phase of it was complicated and different. Like working in, in New York, I wrecked my feet. I still have this a problem with a heel mm-hmm. <laughs> from just walking between the sets. Right. Wow. I got tight shoes and fucked up my foot forever, hmm. and. Uh, um, did you have and a that's favorite? a tiny part of it. <laughs> right. Did you have a favorite uh, animal or monster that on the show? Did I ever what? Did you have a favorite uh, creature, Flory or Cherry or any of those guys? Well, Wayne did Flory was mm-hmm. terrific. Wayne did most of the puppets. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff I did was Terry and Clocky and Rick and I did Cherry and I did Dog Chair. And oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> I had a really one of my one of my earliest memories of, of seeing your work was a was a Terry drawing that you did that was like printed on a on a trading card that my older brother had. So, yeah, and then there was all the product design. So I would mm-hmm. work for two months on the show, and then I would go work on, you know, with 50 companies doing products. And right. it was, and it was a, we don't have to really go there. <laughs> yeah, certainly. It was a burnout, and... Uh, yeah, like, Michael yeah. works, like, the Cartoon Network on a popular show, and I'm getting, like, offers from networks for TV shows, and I don't really want to do it. Like, I just like being, I have a room like this at home, and I like just drawing comics and doing what I do and being alone. And if it gets popular, they want to suck every second of your time out forever, you know? Right. It's like, we want you 24 hours a day so here, you know? Building walls to, for sanity's sake and for art's sake, have got to be as much of an important skill as making the work. It, it really is. I mean, you just choose the path you want to go. I mean, Matt is totally capable of being running an empire you know and that was in and staying a nice guy mm. and uh, I, I have no ambition to do that you know I'm amazed you know I'm, I'm not surprised so much but just you know you're like Universal City Tours you know like right. wow it's like another thing you know and uh, but Matt he just he goes with it and he, and he has a, you know he's working on a new show you know so mm. he never like he never stops and that's he likes it, but I, me, I'm trying to be a painter, right? You know? And I, I like drawing cartoons too. And I really like making music. That's been a total uh, hmm. wonderful thing in the last few years. Is getting to play guitar and play out and stuff. Nice. You guys did a did a tour a couple of years ago. You came up to Seattle. I guess it was last year. Last year, last summer, we did uh, 
LA to Seattle, back to Sacramento in ten days. And you, yeah. who is it you were touring? What you were opening? Kramer. For? Uh, we were touring with uh, um, duh, uh, Sunfoot and No Age, mm. and they were great, great people, great bands, and uh, and Kramer from Bongwater joined us on bass. You know, mm. nice. we're going to play in Boston in November. We've been invited to a festival, but Devin, who's the leader of the band, you you know these cartoons. Devin Flynn. Devin Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. Also yeah. stupid. Yeah. He's amazing. And he's really the driving force of the band, you know. Ross is an incredible guitar player, and I can do some grungy kind of stuff and sing and, and stuff and play rhythm guitar and little French horn parts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, it was just a joy working with those guys. Uh, we played all night, every Saturday night for about eight years, you know, and then we played out around here, and, and then Devin moved to L.A. So uh, we're going to do Boston in November, and probably go hang out with Devin for a week or something and try to record some stuff next year. And, uh, so I just uh, saw the uh, the poster topic list in your sketchbook here. I really like mushroom elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to have a mushroom elf. Yeah. Smoking a pipe sitting on a mushroom with a little frog underneath. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Is it a Burning Man, the festival you're playing? That would be good. <laughs> no, we're playing. The, uh, that would be funny. God, that would be horrifying. Actually. Yeah. Festival of the Juggalos. Or right. Guys go the to Burning Man. The would it no. be a good thing to do? I don't, I don't, I don't think, so. think so. I had a friend of a, a really good friend of mine that me and Robin met up with, and I and I warned him before we he met him. I was like, he's the kind of guy that wears uh, shirts that have flame printed on them. Mm. He's yeah, a, he's that's a fantastic the culture. Guy. It's like a steampunk kind of like, yeah, it's yeah. about yeah. being an exotic animal or something. Yeah, the first thing I the guy said is, I just got back from Burning Man and I was like, see? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard even like the regular Burning Man goers are talking about how played out Burning Man is because all the yuppies. Are that's just like, well, that's, <laughs> that's what happens with everything. You know? yeah. Burning Man yeah. was so much cooler before this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till they have the pretentious uh, juggalos that <laughs> the guys who dress in clown makeup and yeah they'll like dig a giant pit and jump into it yeah <laughs> well now everyone goes there ironically just to cover cover it for another website yeah. did you hear about they had a drug bridge one year they had to get shut down is that a bridge made entirely out of drugs yeah, it was just where you get your drugs you like go the, to the, the drug structural bridge. integrity of that was bridge. It under the yeah. bridge or on wow. the bridge, on the bridge. Oh, okay weird mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the psychopathic family. Like, yeah. It just looks frightening. Like they say it's all about love and peace, but it looks really scary. The Juggalos? Yeah. Well, it is kind of a family, but it's definitely a certain type of person. Putting on a mask does something. Yeah. I wish I could be a part of something that, like, I wish I could be into something like that or following fish around and just love something so much. And, like, the only, the only friends I'd have would be people who have this... They might not have anything else in common with me, but this one thing. So love of fish. I guess I, what I'm saying is I'd like to feel like I could be in a cult. Yeah. <laughs> part of me wants that. It's like, you guys? Yeah. Sure. You know what would be a good thing to do, actually? I really enjoyed uh, chanting with Sufis. Like, I really enjoyed that, and I would like do that again. The only thing I didn't like about it so much, because I'm like religious damage, is just like so much of it about is chanting the name of God in every language, you know? Which... Uh, any kind of chanting would do. Right. You could just take it back to the Peewee years and do the Mechalekahai, Mechahini. Yeah. Right. Whatever that meant. Yeah. <laughs> whatever John Paragon and Paul uh -huh. had a secret code, whatever that meant. I, I actually, I, I was, my, my mother's very religious and she would bring me to church and I, I, at one point I had a, 
a kind of older member of the church. All, all my experiences are traumatizing when I remember back to them. I had an older member of the church yelling at me to speak in tongues, and I remember saying that and getting away with it. Wow. Which is a wow. weird... <laughs> wow. This is just turning into a therapy session. <laughs> well, that, like... The sketchbook is fantastic. I mean, I don't know. It might have been better, you know, like Trenton Doyle Hancock, you know. Mm -hmm. He's really at very much at peace with his religious background, you know, mm -hmm. in gospel singing and drumming. He's a gospel drummer and everything. Though, you know, he's very, you know, uh, broad, super broad-minded philosophically, I think. But I was just in such a boring, not very nice religion, you know. The people were nice. They think it's nice, and they think they're being nice, but it's just like this brain trap right. with, you know, just shutting everything down. Everything you want to do, it's bad, you mm -hmm. know. And so... Um, so it's nice when people can have some peace with it. But speaking in tongues, we were not asked to do that. We were just asked to be bored. Oh. <laughs> so that would have been maybe the weirder, exciting, you know. At least I got like, the holy snakes. Word. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got in trouble for bringing comic books to, to church, and, and that, was, that was the last straw for me, I think, emotionally. is like, don't make me choose between comic books, because you'll lose. You know? <laughs> I don't care if the deity created me at all. If it's comic books, I'll go <laughs> with one of the staples. Well, well, some churches have their own comic books. You know, oh yeah, the, the, the chick tracks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Crusaders. Yeah, we need yeah. to start our own cult and start making comic books for that. Like, we could just add like a big two-day festival in a hotel, surrounded by people who do the exact same things as us. That kind of seems like a cult to me. Yeah, yeah. but we're not all instantly friends because of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 we just, no, yeah, we're probably the opposite. Be wary of instant cult friends. Yeah, we're a cult of snobbish sort of uh, conniving. Yeah, just people. No. I just want to be able to buy. Did that religion just just die out? Is that? I don't think it goes on. Yeah. I just think they don't go to airports Can't hang out at airports anymore or something. No. That would that would be growing up in Ottawa. Like it was the three dollar Krishna buffet, the vegetarian buffet that yeah, all they the have. punk kids would go to. That sounds like a feast. Yeah, they have a free great. one in Vancouver one day a week. I can't believe I'm so out of the. What do Moonies? Do Moonies still exist? I don't know. I mean, the yeah, I think so. The Church of River Moon probably All does. Alright, because we could, we could find an old one and just do, do a relaunch. Sure. Korea's really like, Remake. I don't know, they just be say ignorant things. But I think mm. there's a lot of Presbyterianism in, in Korea. A lot of, like, mm. there's a lot of missionary work worked around the world. Like, China's like fighting. It's the news today, I guess. Uh, the Christians are, they're ripping churches down and the Christians are freaking out. It's like the Boxer Rebellion. You know about that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. I don't know if they're not chopping people's heads off and stuff, but uh, you know, they thought they could churches and stuff. Stop bullets with uh, is it Taekwondo? Oh, I've only I've only read the uh, the comic book adaptation. Oh, okay, <laughs> it, it looks quite good though. I'm sure. The uh, who is that? It's um, Jin Yang. Jin Yang, yeah, Boxers and Saints. It's a fantastic one. Um, one of the things you do to kind of connect with fans is your Facebook page, which is yeah. very active and kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of fan mail since the 70s, and then it kind of all went electronic, you know. Then I started getting email, and then Helene signed me up to Facebook, and then, you know, then I like to joke around. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, it attracts mostly 99.9 .9 really neat people, and then some, like, people you, like, want to get away from. Mm -hmm. But that's Earth, right? Yeah. And luckily, that's the ratio, pretty much. Out of a thousand people, thirty shitheads. Maybe is it more? 
<laughs> I feel like it depends on the thousand people. It yeah, depends on which fish are. concert you go to. Right. <laughs> like where you're hanging out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, ideally. And if you can get along with that many people, then that's fantastic. So chaos theory, you're, you know, I don't understand it, but just it seemed to be about the ratio of calm to chaos mm -hmm. to high action. I wonder if that's necessary for some kind of... It seems to be like the way that you the rhythm of the universe or something. Right, like you just need like these just shit bags of humans to keep them, to get just enough of them to keep things moving. Let's let's all move away from Kenneth. The you water, if there's no ripples yeah. in the water, it's a little boring. Right. Yeah. Pitch a rock. One of the neat things about it I really like is it's kind of turned into like a weirdly fan curated gallery. What did the, the your fan Facebook? Page? Yeah, the fan. Oh, page. did people post like your? Someone else started it, and so I feel like a, a visitor in a way. Though I just decided no one's telling me to go away, so I'll just right. re interact with and people. Yeah. Get out of this fan page we you created for you. <laughs> 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 well, nothing says you can't be a Gary Panther fan too. Well, you know, I mean, I like doing it. I like it. But, I mean, you can probably be more critical of his work and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if I have any critical facility, I'm not sure. I can show you some pages I'm working on if you want to see that uh, Milton thing. Yeah, it's not radio-friendly, yeah, but uh, it's... Uh, well, we can you can ask me a few more questions. Yeah, do you guys... We could probably wrap up some. Do you guys have particular questions? Um, yeah, that's right. Um... Just going back to what you were saying earlier, why do you why did you drop the black line work for your most recent paintings? Because I'd done it for thirty years, and oh, and so I just started awesome. trying it. It started like gradually. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't have to put a line around that. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you did, and I'd done that since the eighties, actually. Sometimes just leaving line work off, so you have this soft thing floating out of the nail down part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so I just decided to go with it more. Also, I mean, then I'll just go and talk about my fucking acid trip. But <laughs> at the end of my acid trip, I saw like tens of thousands of these kind of compositions raining down. And this was like after being destroyed, you know. So that was the good part. Oh, mm. you're coming down. It's raining. Beautiful pictures. You yeah. know? Mm. This stuff is kind of related to that stuff. In a way. Is it freeing to, to drop something? That, sorry, to, is it freeing to sort of drop something like that? Like all for one show rather than just a little bit? Like a... Well, for the last three or four, I mean, it's been like four or five years since I put lines on things. Mm -hmm. And but the but what I'm doing painting-wise, it tends to be there's some sort of ground, which could be landscape, abstraction, atmosphere, pure color sense, and then there's figurative elements of some sort, human objects or human shapes, mm -hmm. and that's kind of been going on in my work all the time. You know? And so, and, and really choosing the shapes, the formal part of it's really important in painting, because I'm not trying to tell stories. Mm -hmm. I, I set up a situation that suggests some kind of thing. Oh, there's a tension here. Oh, they're shooting into the distance or whatever. But it's not trying to tell you a whole story. This show has actually evolved to a point where there's like a nautical theme. <laughs> so there's a lot of people in boats. And so I just let, because I was always thinking, like, where's the water in the painting, you know? Because it's like you need water, you know? Mm -hmm, and yeah. uh, so then suddenly it was, like, all water. So I have, like, this boatload of, like, handsome buff dudes with <laughs> mustaches, you know, and the pretty women. They're obviously, like, decadent morons, you know, hanging out on a sailboat. And then, like, desperate characters rowing. And then captains hanging to a up capsized rowboat. 
evil submarine captains. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like a cast list for a narrative, but it's not really telling you who won or what they're, you know, it's not like connecting the dots. Like so the paintings are kind of connected in the space, which is nice. And, I, and individually, I mean, I mean, they're all about the individual painting. Yeah. So it's just about painting. Do you think without the graphic line element, do you think without that sort of cartoony aspect, are more people? Do you think it opens your work up to a more like um, yeah I, fine art? I think kind it's of crowd? confusing to people somewhat, mm -hmm. and I think that people and a lot of people in the fine art world don't know about my work at all. They're seeing it for the first time, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think when they were blinds on things, people always thought it was cartoony. Right. And I don't hear that so much. Anymore. Yeah, it's strange how that sort of, when you add something like that, uh, it just changes the value of work totally yeah. for some people. Well, hmm. People want to put labels on things that understand things and like paraphrase everything down. Mm -hmm. So they will tend to like reduce whatever you're doing. Right. Yeah, and, and that's a shame. And that's just like in the interest of information flow almost, you know, like any interview you're going to do or any article, it's always going to be reduced, you know. Um, Not this. <laughs> yeah, right, leave it all in. But, uh, but anyway, or said imprecisely or whatever, but uh, I don't know what I'm saying. But. Right, sit around discussing things that... that Ideally, or just in the work. Yeah, yeah. In painting, especially, it's just about the color sense first. Mm -hmm. It's just you're standing in front of something, and what's it doing to your aura? You know, are right. your, are your, you know, how's it affecting your mood? And uh, how long do you want to look at it? Would it's you want to look at it again tomorrow? Oh, right, right. So looking through the sketchbook, there's a lot of uh, images of you kind of breaking down how head shops are built. Are you are you planning on... on yeah, it's an installation of some sort. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm contemplating... Well, if, you know, Oldenburg, I mean, there's tons of prototypes for this stuff. Right, right. But Oldenburg was really into, like, what shapes suggest other shapes. Mickey Mouse, print camera, penis, you know, right. everyone thinks a penis, ultimately, probably. Sure. My penis looks a lot like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Well, I Mine's think we're a all, we all have that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so in this, in a way, I'm exploring, like, again, like, superimposing things. Right. Like, so it's a presentation, a head shop. Is it a place I rent, and it's a storefront, and I make it for a month? Or is it, a, like, a Navajo rug stand by the highway, which I'm more <laughs> partial to? Or is it like a, a discount gas station with placards behind, you know, and lights? Or is it a, a phony rock that's been hollowed out to have, like, when you go to Lucerne, you know, and it's like mm -hmm. chrome shops plugged into yeah. castles and stuff. You know? So, and, it's, and in, in the sketchbook, I'm just exploring everything. But ultimately, I want it to be simple because I would like it to be a simple gesture somehow. Mm -hmm. So, like, the bead necklaces. Giving someone a bead necklace, that's the whole project, you know, there it is, and, and, uh, and making the bead necklaces, it's also the whole project, and it's like painting. Because uh, you make it from the knot, and then you go this way, and then you reach the letters, and then you go back, and so the second half is like a mirror of the first half, and you can change it or elaborate it or make it exactly the same or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like choosing uh, colors in a painting. There's the, so it's like a, there's a neat patience to that. 
to the process of doing those? Well, there's a tech. The technique's pretty easy. I mean, like basically, you have a bunch of beads in a cup, and you have a needle, and you're raking them through it, okay. and they just pile up on the needle or not, you know. So you just keep doing that, and so I can mix, you know, cups with like a bunch of beads or cups with just solid colors. It, you know, it takes like you know 20 minutes to make a necklace, probably. Mm -hmm. so. I made 800. <laughs> <laughs> do you do other things? Will you? Are, are you watching um, the Facts of Life reruns or something? While, while no, I don't or? watch television really at all. I mean, I watch one show with my wife a year, you know, mm. and we don't have a show right now. Okay. But, uh, I watch Breaking Bad and I watch the you know, Sopranos and stuff mm. like that. But, and I watched YouTube. You know, there's a lot of right. time to spend on YouTube. So, it, and also in, in in making music yourself, do you do you feel like the sound relates at all to the visual work you're making? Oh yeah, I mean, you listen to like I've been working playing guitar behind uh, Byron Coley mm -hmm. and with Ted Lee from uh, uh, Feeding Tube Records, and it's just like everything else I do, you know. And they're letting me do it. Like Byron hasn't. He said, like, play guitar behind me, you know? And he's like, you know, he's promoting like loud improvisational music. Right. So he didn't ever tell me to turn it down, you know? <laughs> so I'm like completely drowning him out half the time, pooping on everything he's doing, and and it's okay. But it's really much like drawing, you know? Right. And so I think my guitar playing improvisationally is kind of like there's a boulder and you're feeling your way around it blindly, right. defining the whole surface of the boulder, you mm -hmm. know? Instead of like, well, you can play riffs occasionally. And do you do you listen to other people's music while you while you paint? Yeah, I mean, I still got a lot of vinyl and still buy a lot of vinyl and and most of it's ch right now it's like chasing down really obscure psych pop that mm -hmm. I would never have listened to. You know, lots of harmony, like Boston harmony pop, and, nice. and all kinds of stuff. The noise, yeah, and I don't really like really noisy stuff, but I like academic electronic. I mean, uh, modern music. Mm -hmm. And I just listen to a lot of '60s stuff and some post-punk. I just read the um, the Throbbing Gristle book, The Records of Civilization. I don't know if you read that one. Wait, tell me again. Throbbing. Gr it's a Records of Civilization. It's about the Coom transmission or Coom and Throbbing Gristle. Was it a series of records? Or? No, it's a book. Oh, a book. No, a book. no, no better. It, it's really neat. Um, it's kind of hard to find now because they did it and came out and then. I'm sure know, Edwin has it. Edwin Pouncey has it. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about, like talking, hearing you talk about that, is also that kind of like, um, I don't know if you know much about the Coon stuff, about the art they were doing there, um, but just like it's finding different ways of kind of expressing yourself and these different kind of things. Because like before, Tarvin Grissel, Chris Carter was doing light shows. That was his how he got into the mm -hmm. into that music stuff. What do you just mean about going between mediums, basically? Yeah. They all have fascinating characteristics. Yeah. You know, as long as my brain's interested in it, if my brain stops being interested, you know, I'll just be sitting in a chair, you know. But yeah. poetry, and I can't. You can like master certain things to a certain extent if you spend time with them, and if you're working in fifty mediums, it might be harder to master the things unless you somehow like know what you have to offer and can speak to the medium using the limitations of the medium or trying to stretch the medium a little bit. Yeah. But uh, there's just so much. I mean, it's just so open as to where you can speak and what you can do. And uh, 
you know, there's a lot of more things I'd like. You know, if I do this project, then I'll probably try to do, you know, like a Ben Johnson play in puppets or something like that. <laughs> you know, that would probably be the next thing I would try to do. I've got a lot of drawings for it. But uh, this would take, you know, like five years. Everything seems to take, you know, years now to do. Like right. the Milton thing, I've already been working on it like four or five years. And the Jimbo thing, I've been working on it basically since 9 11. Yeah, with the light show, we're doing more like in, in uh, October, we're doing three days of light shows again in New York okay. at the television hmm. and Woods, maybe, and some guys that are playing Ornette Coleman, science fiction album. Oh, wow. And so it's a team back there with all of our flexible yeah. mirrors and liquid lights and everything, you know. We're under headphones talking to each other during the show, and Josh is directing, and and people have their specialties, you know, like there's two women that do the squash plates mm -hmm. and uh, me and the guy Doug who was uh, Neil Diamond's tour director for his whole career are the Lumia reflective guys and you know, it's nice. beautiful, you know, you're just back there making, they're hitting you with like video that's like the sun and you're bending it into shapes listening to music, it's totally great. Oh, sounds like a good time. It is, and it's the audience sees it much better. So there's too much light backstage, so you're seeing a dim version, but you trust that the audience has seen it with light. I know, it sounds like you're contrast. missing out by being Gary Panter instead of being a Gary Panter fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but anyway, but anyway, I think that, I think what my work does, I would say, I hear from people all the time, is mm -hmm. encourages people to want to go do stuff. Because right. it seems accessible. It doesn't seem like, oh my God, I could never do that in a million years. And, and that probably ties into, you know, before I, I was talking about you as a, as a kind of an artist artist. Mm. And, well, and that's, that's a great is, thing to be. Maybe you're, maybe you're helping people uh, become artists. I hope so. I did a, I taught at the library a, a couple of years ago when I had this gig at the library mm -hmm. and I specifically taught two sh little short things to people that were, had never drawn and it was like they all could draw really. They right. just had not defined themselves as drawers. Yeah. Know? And that's kind of, that was cool. Most of the feedback I've heard from people who took those classes were just like, yeah, it was just really nice and all that stuff. And it's like, fuck yeah, just keep doing it. And it's great. Just, yeah. It's really nice. It never seems to advance people's art to, like, the people who were harsh to me growing up, where I'd show them their, my work and they'd rip it apart, I usually I'd just stop looking at their work. So, you know, <laughs> people that are. Well, and people that rip your part work, like, who are they? You know, right. Just to do, I mean, there's offering helpful advice, mm -hmm. and you know, and you know, I mean, it's like you're not expressing your emotions correctly. Yeah, I mean, you could take it or leave it. Like maybe, okay, just beat me into a pulp, and I'll, it'll be okay. You know, right. come out better on the other side. But I don't want that. You know, I've a, I grew up with spanking. No, <laughs> 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 I've had enough of that. All right, certainly. Well, thank you, Gary, so much for. Uh, inviting us into your home, bringing us up Thanks. to your studio. It's Thanks really for coming and being discomforted. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Oh, the floor's fine. It's, the lighting in here is really nice. It's very pleasant. It's oh, a nice thanks. Space. Yeah, I work in under like the crummiest light, mostly at night at three in the morning, like with a bag over a you know a LED or something. I just noticed the way you're moderating moderating the light in your studio with these like window coverings. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> So people can't see me. So the <laughs> drones can't see me. <laughs> yeah, I walk around nude a lot of that, that thing right there that said, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get close. Uh, yeah.
right this way, smiles from her maid. I can hear her. Laugh. 